Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Garage. My name, as always, is Dan Massimino, and I thank you all for tuning in, subscribing, liking, hanging out, and otherwise spending time with us on this fine day. If you've been joining us, then you know the premise here. We're but humble travelers on the journey towards retail media nirvana, and along the way, we've been bringing the industry's best craftspeople and their toolkits into our garage to help us build the pillars needed for any RMN to construct innovation. And as always, I'm joined in our makerspace by the grandmaster of tinkering, the vice president of product and innovation, and no one rocks a sport coat and jeans better than this guy, Evan Havorka. Come on, Evan, how are you? Thank you so much, Dan. Doing well. You forgot uh, hoodie, right? The, the classic product suit. You need the sport coat, the hoodie, and the jeans, ideally with a fresh set of sneakers. If you can pull that off, you can probably land any product job you're looking for. But happy to be here. I'll tell you what, man. I've been out of college now for several years. I won't say how many because, you know, I want to stay young in my own mind, but you're still taking me to school. I wouldn't have thought that. I don't know that I can rock that, but you can, and that's awesome. But listen, hey, Evan, today's a special day for us here in the garage. Today, we get to honor one of our own and get taken to school by her, by the master herself, right? She is a retail media expert and a transformational leader who has won numerous industry awards been a featured panelist on some of the most important stages across this great country and a graduate of Northwestern's University's Kellogg School of Management. She is superhuman. She does all this while finding time to renovate kitchens and bathrooms as well and enjoying all things sci-fi. The Vice President of Business Strategy and Marketing Science at Albertsons Media Collective, my fellow nerd and newly elected Supreme Chancellor of the Galactic Republic, yes. Claire Wyatt. How are you? <laughs> I am so good. You guys are so funny. And Dan, you missed your calling. Did I? Yes. Well, I don't know. I don't know so much about that, but I was told explicitly to lay off some of the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I don't -uh. listen. I don't listen. I'm here. We're here to talk about what is in and out of Star Wars canon, right? I believe we could could do it real quick for this one episode, Claire, given you're also an expert there. Not Excellent. a problem amongst Excellent. amongst other things. Yes. Yeah. But hey, thanks so much for coming into the garage. We're super thrilled to have you today. For those of you out there in podcast universe who don't know, Claire is an absolute guru in a lot of things, but in particular around measurement and data science. And, mm-hmm. and that is why we're here to talk about our next step on our journey to RMN Nirvana, that next pillar of measure everything. And, and Claire, I, I would like to just turn over some time to you and Evan to geek out a bit on measurement and why it is so important to measure everything. Mm-hmm. And I'll jump in real quick too. Now that we've given Claire enough accolades, I'll throw one more on top. I'm super oh. excited to have her <laughs> join because you have that unique ability to make it make sense, right? There is some very heavy mm-hmm. science and modeling and things that might put a few people to sleep on this call. And we're not going to get mm-hmm. into those data science details, but the way you describe it and the way you tie it to the value to our customers is really unique. And I think um, one best in class in terms of making it simple to understand, even though it's not simple to execute. Oh, thank you, Evan. That's a very nice thing to say. Absolutely. So, so the whole point of this podcast was to get you here and just build your ego, make you feel good about yourself, tell guys, everybody how awesome so you are. Great. Now just tell me I look like Taylor Swift and I'll have the best day ever. Right. 
Hey, shake, shake it off. <laughs> but yeah, maybe start with a little bit about your your analytics journey. I know you've got a long history yeah, of data nerddom, but then how you've, how you've brought that unique history to the collective and then what you've been able to deliver here in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you were talking about the, and I, I do think this is maybe a superpower is explaining very complex topics and making them easy for people to understand. Because I always even going back to back in the day, and I know, Dan, you have a history of being a teacher. Like I, I was not the kid who understood things immediately. It took me a little bit. And I had to kind of teach myself how to like, I taught myself a lot within math specifically. And then I really, I remember like very much enjoying helping other people. And I think that that has like, translated then into my career. Because measurement is such a key Measurement and analytics is is really, and even I would say just finance and numbers, that is the basis for how businesses are built. And I think people can often get very intimidated by them when they don't necessarily need to be. And I think for retail media networks specifically, measurement is the one of the key reasons why you invest in a retail media network. Mm-hmm. So if you think about like the two value propositions for retail media, one is our first party audience data. The second is really the ability to close the loop on measurement. And then when we talk about just because somebody asked me this the other day and I was like, Oh, we throw around the phrase, close the loop, but don't bother to explain it. But the ability to close the loop, meaning if you, if I, as a Albertsons customer or Jewel Osco, because I'm living in Chicago, if I see a ad on, you know, people.com as I'm looking for the hot gas and then go to an actual Jewel and buy, buy a Diet Pepsi, we are able to say, hey, this person saw an ad, made a purchase, and attribute value and credit to that ad. And we obviously do that at more of an aggregated level and very much in a privacy-safety-identified safe, way. But being able to to do that and tie that specific value is why us as Albertsons is so successful, but it is also why other retail media networks are successful and there's so much growth in that space. Beautiful. So. Yeah, I think that gets lost a little bit in translation. I mean, there are lots of marketing solutions out there. They've been around for decades. And uh, mm-hmm. each has their own merit, right? Zip level uh, mm-hmm. holdouts were popular for a long time. Now we're getting into close mm-hmm. the loop. And there's a lot of digital companies that can close the loop. Yeah. Claire, we've, we've seen a bunch out there from, you know, apps that maybe manage receipts or coupons. They certainly have some digital engagement with the customer, some first party uh, engagement, maybe even across a spectrum of, of retailers, which is pretty exciting. But when you talk about the value of a, of a large brand looking to drive, uh, well, I'll let you explain incrementality, but looking to drive closed loop media, they're looking for mm-hmm. performance, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. And then us, as long, along with all the other marketing solutions, have to pitch solutions to those CPGs that are attractive. Closing the loop mm-hmm. can be interpreted in many different ways. When we say close the loop, it, it literally is a confirmed ad exposure to a known person. So that person is part of a loyalty mm-hmm. program. Those loyalty programs mm-hmm. manifest as digital IDs on and off our platform, and we can show them right. ads unique to their shopping experience. But not just in the moment, not at a point in time. It really is that data collected over years and years of that loyalty uh, relationship that a retailer has. And then you're able to right. unlock really new, exciting things beyond closed loop. Maybe maybe talk through that a little bit. Yeah, 
I'm so glad you asked that question because I think that's where, you know, the conversations that we've been having internally, like I think if you look at the start sort of of our Albertsons journey, we came out fairly hard charging, talking about incremental ROAS right away. And I think from our previous experience, Evan, we talked about ROAS a lot and incrementality was more of a new thought. I think now as we think about sort of the metamorphosis of our thinking, this, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a pivot away from what we've done in the past, but I think it's an acknowledgement that metrics are broad and it is important to choose the right metric for the right campaign and the right objective type, especially as you think about the trajectory of retail media, where it was very much a platform that was intended to drive sales because it was mostly on platform. Mm -hmm. So mostly, you know, on-site display, sponsored product ads. Yes, absolutely. In that case, ROAS totally makes sense. But as you think about the future and where we're going and the shift to off platform, the shift to partnerships with more unique channels, you know, in our case, Pinterest moving to YouTube integrations with CTV mm-hmm. is ROAS is not always the best metric. And so then there are other more creative ways to close the loop with different options. So I think something that we are excited about as like a new to new to brand attributed sale or even bringing back a lapsed customer as an example. Or I think one of the things that I'm very excited about that we could build out is like a lifetime lifetime value metric. And so really how are we how are we getting creative to tell to tell the full story instead of just sticking to to say, okay, you know, ROAS or incrementality. Mm-hmm. What is what is even the bigger way to look at the picture. And then I would say one other thing that you were talking about that that struck a thought for me as well is part of my career, I started out in kind of like the 2010-ish around there was when MTA was becoming really, really big. So Google had acquired this company called Adometry. Literally one of my first jobs in digital media was going into companies and helping them set up Adometry, which was Google's multi-touch attribution solution. And it was like multi-touch attribution is going to save the day. It's going to save lives. But then as the third party cookie has started to go away, the ability to sort of track customers across, across the web is going away. And so that type of a solution is less relevant now. Like MTA has basically died. And so when it was so hot for such a long time, and so how are we shifting to other ways to measure, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but that are not going to be impacted by the depreciation of a third-party cookie. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, MTA for a brand, uh, a CPG or an enterprise, a retail enterprise, I think still has value. But thinking about MTA having, maybe this is I'm asking for a little more clarity on that statement. MTA through a retail media network can be a challenge. So that CPG Mm -hmm. may have a a master MTA sitting back at home. I mean, that can cover Mm -hmm. the things that they can control, but trying to squeeze it into Mm -hmm. the the different methods and channels and uh, ID systems within an RMN is, uh, can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, one of the things that that I want to touch on here, guys, is, is we're in the, we're in the garage. We got our toolkits. You're both expert craftsmen. I'm the dumb guy on the side. So Claire, question for you. And Evan, feel free to chime in because you have to do it a lot with me as your co-host. But 
you walk into an, a, an old school retailer, right? Mm-hmm. Old school can stacking merchandisers. And a lot of this is very, very scientific and very, very high brain capacity stuff. How do you translate this into merchandise speak? How do you recommend going and speaking with, with somebody who's focused on Tin Can Alley, as mm-hmm. we call it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what what can we do to help them with their categories? I That's such a good question. And I think that's been a growth area for me personally, because, you know, I... I, I feel like having my background be more agency, then you kind of have to come back to, well, how does the like retailer work and what does the retailer care about? And I think the thing that's been interesting to me, especially at Albertsons, is how much the business cares about units sold. And that has been a very eye-opening experience. I would say that is a very eye-opening experience. The other experience that has been eye-opening for me is how much of like a fight grocery is like I were like it is a it is like a hot like I don't know Evan I'm seeing this because you're from Canada it's like throw the gloves off (laughs) like get your helmet off like start taking (laughs) swings and punches like it is so that's that's a hockey reference for our listeners out there well done we've gone from Star Wars to sports sports. that's great well I literally listen I'm from Minnesota Evan's from Canada everything finds its way back (laughs) to hockey at some point correct as it should yes so um and and that's been a big that's been a big aha moment for me because I think this is even a bigger theme is that a retail media network that is going to be truly successful is not just a retail media network for a sake of a retail media network. They are a retail media network that is for the purpose of benefiting the business Mm -hmm. overall. And so what we have to prove to our merchants is like they are in, you know, they're in this rough and tumble fight every single day for every last scrap of margin dollar for their business. So can we show them that we are actually driving incremental units and can we actually show them that we are truly driving sales to their bottom line? Because if we can't do those things, we will very quickly lose credibility with those teams and we just can't we just can't do that because we need them so we need it's a very symbiotic relationship you know they they may we may think that they need us but we need them just as much if not more yeah i I love the the challenge here and i i think there are a couple progressive retailers out there who are leading the charge albertson's is one of them but that that ability to connect what truly is a single-minded goal from the the cpg which is to sell Mm -hmm. product right they've They've turned that mm-hmm. strategy into a couple different budgets because they've been forced to move money into marketing agencies to move units, move money into brand campaigns and, and other things to move units, move money into merchant mm-hmm. integrations, like direct with the retailer to move units. And that take manifested as things like the weekly circular and, and uh, price and promo and coupons with the retailer. Ultimately, though, they mm-hmm. have that single-minded goal. And now uh, mm-hmm. retailers have the ability to connect most of those dots, um, granted they're going to be most relevant for the stores and trade areas that that retailer lives in. But for the first time, you can have a sales and marketing strategy executed by one company. And so that, yeah. that hasn't been fully realized yet in the, in the RMN experiences that most people have seen out there. But that's, that's exactly mm-hmm. what we're pushing for in 24. Starting with joint right. business plans, but uh, really it shows up in the execution. Why aren't we connecting yeah. the coupons and the price and promos and the circular with all of this extra 
cool media and marketing strategy right. on and off platform, by the way, because we can connect that store mm -hmm. and digital experience and then all of that merchant goal into a single strategy. Yep. It's not perfect, but yep. being able to show that data next to each other, including in stocks and margin and number of units sold combined with ROAS, like what a beautiful potential. And all that's missing is yep. a little bit of relationship management and maybe some goal setting within an organization. We're well on our way to doing mm -hmm. that. If you've got comments adding to that, Claire, love to hear them or love to hear how you think that manifests more in 24. The thing that I am thinking about with regards to that question is I would say we, let's just be transparent. I would say we are doing an okay job of that right mm -hmm. now. Like if we are talking about where room, where is room for improvement, I would say that is, that is a place where we have room for improvement. However, I would say that sort of idea of integrating all of those pieces of the business is not something that most retail media networks are thinking about. So even for us to say like, hey, let's grade ourselves and say, mm, I don't think our grade is that great, I think is a unique thing that we are where our brain space is going. I think there are some of our competitors who have done um, an incredible job and you are seeing it in how explosive their growth is of integrating integrating all of their all of their assets and so retail media be, has become this this holistic thing and seeing sort of the selling of insights and insights not necessarily tied to to actual media campaigns but it's it's broader and it's looking at kind of what is going on with merch what is going on with other parts of our organization supply chain price promo all of that and that is very much sort of what the some of the conversations that we've been having recently as a company like that is where this to quote Michelle Weisgettle the flywheel on steroids comes in mm -hmm. of once we can figure once we can figure that out and then i think i made this comment earlier is Retail media then is no longer this silo where you're saying, oh, retail media is acting as a media platform. It's like, no, 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 no. Now we have moved to it is this growth engine for the entire company. And it is basically, you know, what it, I don't know cars very well, but it's like nitrogen fuel in your souped up. You're just taught you just you've been watching Fast and Furious. You know I the have, buttons to push, right? R. Little Nas. Yeah. I like it. Paul Walker. <laughs> oh, we're gonna go there. I know. I'm still not over it. Still in denial about that's that one. Insane. When you're talking about the flywheel, there's always someone at the center of the flywheel. That's our customer, in my opinion, always, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to, to organize all this around them. Mm -hmm. And this the all these this identity driven measurement, it's table stakes for modern retail media, as you know. How are brands, though, how are they adapting? Because our, our customers are really focused on client privacy mm -hmm. uh, and understanding where their data is going. So how are mm -hmm. brands adapting to the new privacy standards that make identity more difficult to capture? Yeah. Well, I would say, so our our brands are like, or not, I mean, our brands are the best, but really, truly, who is the best? And it is in some Sometimes I'm like, gosh, it's wild that we are saying this, but our legal team is amazing. Like we have the coolest privacy policy, which I swear to you, I am not lying. It is actually like <laughs> we have the we have the coolest privacy yes. policy. Can attest. That's yes. awesome. Guys, you can actually read that without falling asleep. Yes. Well, is, there's that. No, it's so cool. But that team has done such a good job because I think can I think consumers are getting more. Um, just knowledgeable that companies are using their data. And I 
think for the most part, there is an understanding of like, okay, you use my data, I have some type of value exchange. So in our in our case, in a retail media networks case, it's you are getting more relevant ads, you are getting more relevant promotions, there is this data exchange. But we as a retail media network have a massive responsibility to be very protective of that data. So, and Evan, you can speak to this more than I can, but it is, you know, it is de-identified, it is hashed, it is only viewed at an aggregate level. Mm -hmm. But then when I think about retailers, we have access to all of this consumer data, the brands don't. And so you can see different brands trying to make plays to get any, any of that data if they can and I I think they're trying, but I'd be so curious as to how it's actually being successful and if they are if they are able to truly get it. But some of our more some of our more sophisticated brand partners are curious about what is data integration between their brand and our our retail media network look like, and then what does it look like to activate activate on that combined data. I think that gets tough though, right? Because if if the brand has the data and we have the data, that's obviously going to be a super loyal customer. And so how valuable is it to just target somebody who probably was already going to buy your media with um, or buy your product with? Yeah, which is why it's so important, I I think, to tie it then into those uh, shopper behavior trends at an individual level over time, right? So then you can take credit for incrementality because we know how many uh, Oreos Dan was buying for the previous three months. And now we've got them all. Yeah. Of them. Now we've got them up to five packs a week, which is perfect. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Uh, but yeah. without that, that long-term <laughs> relationship, not to say it solves yeah. every problem, but it brings a super elevated value to uh, anyone talking in that audience. I'm talking to a direct guest. I'm talking first party. Okay, mm-hmm. great. There's lots of ID graphs that are out there. Lots of ID graphs that are bigger than what a retail media network can offer in the most in most cases, but are they are they tied to mm-hmm. behavior that's meaningful and sustainable mm-hmm. over time? Mm-hmm. And then are you how often are you mm-hmm. seeing that person back in the network? And so you know if totally. you're if you're pitching yep. an auto deal, you don't need to see them every week. If you're selling things to to CPG brands, how mm-hmm. great is it that that our shoppers come in over two and a half times a week, right? So now you've got mm-hmm. the high fidelity identity. We know what they did six mm-hmm. weeks ago, six months ago, and how that behavior needs to change. Mm-hmm. We put our strategy in market, and then we have two and a half mm-hmm. opportunities a week to see if that skew came and left the shelf yeah. because all of that transaction yeah. in store and off and online are tied to the same loyalty card. Right. Again, right. that's just the foundation. And it doesn't mean it's a perfect system, but you've got at least the the best possible data set to start with. Yeah. Right. And that's so unique to grocery. Right. There is That is a grocery. There play. is literally Yeah, that is such a grocery play cuz you think about it, there's no other retail media network, commerce media network who is going to see their consumers as frequently as a grocery business. Like even I would say maybe next best thing is like a gas station, maybe, but even then, I don't know how often you fill up your car, but I only fill up mine every every two weeks, sometimes every three or four, just because Okay. So just so everybody knows, Claire doesn't live in Idaho like I do, where it's a half an hour through the living. (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) Those Oreo trips do get expensive, Dan, zipping in and out of Albertsons. Well, when you when you drive it when you drive a diesel pickup truck like I do, it's also And I've I've seen how you drive it too. It's a little aggressive, but we can talk about that after the podcast. Okay. 
fast can I just, and furious. Can I, can I just pause for one second? Because that was the Always. ultimate like pot kettle black moment. Oh, like, well. Yeah. Mr. Evan Havorka, <laughs> you are a crazy driver. No, we can keep this in. Um, I must say, I'm an oh, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to. <laughs> I drive effectively and I have a pretty clean record. Do you? Pretty okay. clean. What, pretty, I mean, we'll get into it. Claire, going to need you to measure pretty clean for yeah. me because mm-hmm. you yeah. never had a revoked yeah. license. Okay. That's, that's yes. pretty good. I mean, that, that is a low bar, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's not something you want to measure against. <laughs> no. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, Claire, my God. sorry about that. <clears throat> oh. But listen, going back to it and, and, and thinking through uh, measurement and how, how should the industry be thinking about further protecting our client data? So it's a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. and we can either walk away feeling gross about it or doing the right thing. How should yeah. the retail media industry feel and, and and what should they do to protect client data? I like, I love what we are doing and some of the steps that we are taking where we are working so closely with our privacy and legal team and coming up with, as we are looking at new products, as we are looking at things that we want to add, do we as a business, even outside of our legal team, do we have privacy guardrails that we want to follow? So I think we're in the process of, of creating those, but just taking everything sort of through that, that filter and I want to say, too, this may be a hot take, but I I think I would welcome, and I'm sure our legal team would welcome, like, national-level legislation so that we don't have to deal with, you know, a law in California. We don't have to deal with a law in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. We don't have to deal with all of the mm-hmm. different laws by state. We could just have one sort of national, this is how we care about consumer privacy, because I think companies that are committed to doing right by their customers are, would, yeah, like help, help us help you help, help us. Like we don't, you know, we don't want, we are ultimately using this data to be, to be helpful to you so that if you are a, you know, hypothetical double stuff, gluten-free Oreo purchaser, which, oh, those, I was talking about myself. Okay, fair. Yes. Shout out to our Mondelez friends that you can get that, that when those are on sale, I can know that they, they are so I can stock up if I want to stock up. And so I think I would just even say like, this is maybe more broadly, but education for the customer in general about what it, what it means when a business uses your, your data and that like I say this all the time that I, and I'm worried it offends people is like, we actually don't care about you individually as a person. <laughs> like people are not as unique as I think. The opinions expressed by Claire Wyatt. <laughs> yes. We love you all. We do. All of you as people. Yes. I sat, I literally, I sat next to this woman on a plane. I was like, you personally, I am enjoying this conversation. I find you very interesting in our one-on-one conversation as a marketer. I only care about how you act like, you know, 10,000 people like you. I can't do anything with you individually. I care about you as a member of a group. So that is just one I, thing. You know what? I think that, I think that's I an important, that's an important distinction. I don't think that's talked about enough. So I appreciate you bringing that up, but I also appreciate you bringing up cookies. And since we're talking about them, let's go there. We're talking about a cookie-less future here, right? Mm-hmm. And is there a percentage of the industry you think that's going to get caught flat-footed uh, when cookies go away? 
cookies in the retail media in space, retail not media space. a shortage of any kind of cookie in the marketplace. God forbid. That would be truly <laughs> terrifying. Okay. I have, I want to hear what Evan has to say. I have a number in my mind and I promise I won't change my number. So Evan, what do you Oh, think? I got to pick? Oh yeah. Oh. Well, I, yeah. Nice. I think I'll just put a little context on the, on the last comment you made too, Claire. Yet not only do we not care about the individual, like when we think customer data, there is a lot of sensitivities around that. And we hold that. That's that's question number one. Is this idea, is this marketing strategy, is this partnership going to honor our best in class privacy rules? And if it doesn't, then we, we mm-hmm. move on. If it does, though, we still move into highly encrypted and anonymized data sets because we, mm-hmm. we don't talk to an individual, right? We talk to mm-hmm. large swaths of, 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 of audiences. And so not only right. that, though, a lot of the modern ways we've chosen to partner with people is through clean rooms and making that that connection directly to the thing that the client is trying to achieve. And so if that's closed loop measurement with right. Pinterest, fantastic. We don't have to share customer data outside of our walls now because we have a clean room with mm-hmm. Pinterest. We don't have to hand it mm-hmm. to Mondelez or Pepsi, even though they would mm-hmm. like that because they mm-hmm. want to, to, to be able to get to that closed loop measurement. We can provide it as a service behind the clean room. So it's, it's not only is it encrypted right. and, and anonymized, it's also now locked within our owned and operated ecosystem. And so what a yep. beautiful way to deliver advanced services to our, our CPG clients and non-endemic clients, any client, by pushing the envelope on the capability without pushing the envelope on data security. In fact, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. we think more data privacy, more laws and legals and restrictions only makes that first party relationship holder, retailers, value prop go up higher. And in that mm-hmm. world, I think the cookie is is less valuable, right? Because we have... Uh, when, right. when we think retail media networks, hopefully people aren't thinking, you know, Safeway.com, Target.com, Walmart.com. They should be thinking those as parts of the puzzle. Those are certainly hugely valuable mm-hmm. banners with lots of authenticated traffic and behavior. But those then seed right. the, the loyalty programs that are much more valuable off-platform too. So we're able to do right. almost the same level of sophistication through a, a trade desk, a Google, a Pinterest, or a Meta. Mm-hmm. TikTok. And so mm-hmm. that's a fun way to think about uh, cookies declining. I'll throw a number out there either. I promise I'm not stalling. Oh, I was like, wait a minute, man. It's, it's pretty <laughs> switch. One, one through a oh, hundred. Right, right. So I think cookie deprecation, whatever the number is, I think Claire will have a good guess. Um, we won't be penalized. First party data holders won't be penalized, especially those with lots of traffic and opportunity to measure that traffic mm-hmm. in a cookie-less world. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, you know, cookies, Claire brought this up earlier in a, in a call with me, they've been out of the market for a long time on Safari. Device IDs on Apple have been out of market, and we've still achieved really mm-hmm. sophisticated marketing programs. So we're just talking about taking okay. it out of the Chrome system and the, the Android device IDs, which is a, a huge play. Mm-hmm. But the model has already been proven to work in other platforms using direct CRM-based data share. But um, I'm going to say, you know, once that goes away, I mean, 100% of the cookies will go away, 100% of the device IDs go away for, for non-first-party holders leaving other types of, of digital trackers to replace them or people moving to contextual targeting. So I think cookie deprecation mm-hmm. isn't going to shut off other programs, but it's going to make them less viable, less statistically defensible. And so I suspect mm-hmm. we'll see maybe a 30% decline in data brokers and third-party uh, solution providers that don't have first-party ownership, maybe up to 50%. Mm-hmm. And then others will mm-hmm. stay in business, but pivot to more contextual-based or uh, maybe revert mm-hmm. back to some of the old uh, mass media metrics of, of zip code, hold, zip code mm-hmm. holdouts. But for those that want a mm-hmm. little more sophistication and want to stay in the modern era, um, you better have a path to first party, authenticated, highly, highly trafficked 
behavior, like like mm. what a retailer holds. I mean, uh, I the, 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 Claire, the question was what number? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you promised think, a number. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I promised a number. I would say as as soon as you asked that, I was like, I feel like it's going to be the 80-20 principle. Like 20, okay. 20% are probably going to have a very well thought out strategic plan and be able to capitalize on what's happening. And then 80% are going to be in some range of maybe not caught fully flat footed, but caught maybe partially flat footed. Hmm. So okay. it's not going to be, it's not going to be so this group is going to win and this group is going to totally be toast. But I do think that there's going to be a range of that, that 80% of like, is it a slight struggle or is it just something that completely makes you go out of business. Right. I wonder, I think that the challenge would be to people who are concerned about that marketers who are concerned about that. If you're not leaned into your identity graph and to whoever's providing that, that measurement and audience targeting for you today, if you're not doing it on your own, mm -hmm. let's say that's an agency, mm -hmm. a third party partner. If you're not leaned into mm -hmm. the mechanics of how those things work, which does get into some, some mm -hmm. science and boring topics, which we won't get into on this podcast. Now's the time to lean in because you should be able to yep. track that decline you should be able to track the performance mm -hmm. of whatever they are pitching you as the best next alternative. Yeah. And now's right. a good time to upgrade all of our skills and understanding of, of the identity space and what it truly means to have first party versus contextual yeah. and the, the penalties you may or may not pay on performance. Yeah. And I think, I mean, who better to solve and to capitalize that from that than retail media networks? Like we are literally, it just could not be more perfect. Does AI worry you? No. Are you freaked out by it? Is it is it Terminator Two or are are we good? Like talk no. a little bit about AI and what you see as it not not necessarily how we use it, but what's what's the future look like with AI when it comes when you think about measurement and 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 all the things we've discussed today. When I think about AI as it relates to our space, I f it feels like there are only opportunities. I mean, I think there are. I I don't know. I think with any new thing it's never as good as you think it's going to mm. be so like i'll use an example mm. it's ba it's like the hype curve so yeah. remember like a couple years ago when everybody was like so excited about the metaverse mm. do you remember this and uh, then <laughs> yes and yes. then and then it has like materialized and it's sort of just like the metaverse <laughs> and <laughs> And like, I, I don't think to the same degree AI will have that experience, but one of the things that is very important to know is the AI that people are excited about, the generative AI, if you are, you are building it on top of data sets and the output that you are going to get is only as good as the underlying data set that you have. Amen. And there are so many yep. companies that we've talked to that are still trying to get to basically this century in terms of the data that they have. So I think we we work very luckily in sort of this ad tech kind of martech space, but we're also very tangentially retail. And I think luckily grocery actually in terms of retailers can be pretty sophisticated digitally. And so I think us as Albertsons, and you know, we could talk about her all day long, but our amazing engineering partner, Cervanti and her team, like, I think we are set up so well based on what we have. But I look at like people freaking out over AI at, I don't know, like what's a, Maybe like know. a peer play think audience of, think, builder where you're, you're renting audiences from somewhere, yeah. cookies are deprecating, 
I'm sure the pitches are out there. Like yeah. we'll use AI to regenerate our, our yeah. audience pools based on assumed behavior across, you know, yeah. X number of people. Or, totally. Or more, more of what I was thinking of was like, I was like, give me an industry where the data is just not great. And the only thing that I could think of was the Southwest Christmas snafu mm. of 2022. Mm. And so I'm like Southwest airlines as a great example, they will not be able to figure out AI until they figure out their underlying technology problems. And Fair. so, and so, and that's obviously that's not retail media network related, but I, I think that that is, that is a very important point to consider. But I think with us, the opportunity is we do a lot of like, and the way I think measurement is going is a lot of predictive modeling, predictive analytics. If you have an AI model that is doing that for you, things that could have taken weeks or months or quarters could now take seconds. And so then how are we able to take that data and then optimize quickly and potentially, you know, do a bunch of bunch of other things just in a in a very, very automated way that a machine is just taking over without, you know. Yeah, I love that approach. It's it's a little more of a realistic take, a little less drink the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. There is going to be value. I, I think our take is very much keep it in a box that humans are managing and deploy it in a in right. a single siloed strategy to to test and and grow with it. And then there there may be AI mm-hmm. engines that sit across multiple functions of our media stack, but we can start with creative generation. We can start with media in campaign in flight campaign optimization. We can learn from from those little self-contained silos with the people managing it and then decide when and where it needs to grow. It, I always think yeah. of AI, the, the hype masters in a Scooby-Doo meme that I've seen where they pull the mask off the villain, <laughs> the mask is labeled AI and underneath it is like collaborative filters, linear decision-making, machine learning. It's yeah. like, okay, that's yeah. all fine. That's all in progress of doing better. Mm-hmm. And if that's, if that's how you want to call your AI system, that's still, it's still a, mm-hmm. a step in the right direction of letting the machines help make some mm-hmm. of these large decisions. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think Evan, just to build off that point too, in a lot of ways, it's like AI is such a hot term right now. But what and it started maybe in like January or February of this year, but in reality, forms of AI have existed for years, yeah. if not decades. And so it's just the thing that people are very excited about when they talk about AI is the generative piece. It's not necessarily to your point, like machine learning is the type of AI that people have been doing for years and years and right. years. And so even th- even with that, like, are we being very specific about what type of AI we're talking about? Because even us at Albertsons, we like if you are using a broad term of AI, we utilize that technology. Now. Right. And I would say most most retailers and agencies and anyone of of any type of modern definition would, would be using those same things. So maybe it's just a relabeling right. of what they're currently doing, <clears throat> but that generative piece does get yeah. exciting and dangerous. So yep. putting it in a box, yes. letting people still manage and make sure things are safe and appropriate is, uh, right. you know what I'm yeah. stuck on? I'm stuck mm. on something, Evan, your meme, your memes and mine, like your Scooby-Doo memes and mine are very different <laughs> we, in what, in what the mask <laughs> pull. I mean, they I have you a know. different algo. My, yeah. I feel like it. I feel like it. You know, let's go from from new school to old school a bit and think about our stores a bit, Claire. Yeah. How are you uh, as you think about in store as a channel now? Right, not even now. It's been a channel, but but putting some of the retail media network spin on it. Mm-hmm. How's the best way, in your opinion, uh, for what's the best way or truly measure in store media when you think about it that way from a retail media perspective? Oh, I don't know the best way, but I could tell you my dreams. 
I would tell him therapy, therapy. Welcome to the garage yeah. therapy session. Please tell me your yes. dreams. What do you got here? Thanks, Dan. Yeah. I, I would love to measure and buy in-store media exactly how you buy digital mm. media and how you measure digital media and have it be one sort of integrated, cohesive buying process and methodology. Yeah. And I think we can mm. get there. I think with the technology that exists, I think you can, you can do that. Yeah, I think so. And or that I don't think that dream's super far off. And what say. a great uh, yeah. topic to to bring up back our merchant friends, right? The the and the, our store friends. Mm-hmm. That's going to require some some heavier lifting, some merch data integration. But I think you're right, Claire. Talk mm-hmm. about like a localized yeah. strategy with in stock data, coupons, real real time traffic trends in those stores. But oh then gosh. that powers yeah. media decisions. Maybe it's not a as oh. personalized as an individual logging into their coupon accounts on Safeway.com, but Definitely an effective way to speak to someone in that decision-making process or inspire them with new recipes, mm-hmm. new product launches. So many fun things to think about there yep. with that merchant and store integration. Again, it's, I, I think that is the Nirvana end game for uh, most retail media networks. Yep. I don't want to say the end game. I don't ever want to say the end game because I think like, you know, two years ago, we probably would have said something is the end game that we're like, eh, that's old news at this point. Very fair. So, I think it's I think it's the Nirvana state maybe in like two or three years and then in two or three years, I my hope is that there'll be something else that we're like oh but what if it could be the yeah. insatiable Claire yeah. Wyatt keeping our product team busy thank you <laughs> <laughs> job security hey. job yeah. security by Claire's dreams Claire speaking yes. of dreams behind you people can't see it here uh, we're mm. fortunate enough to have a video stream but you have a little board we're gonna go off the we're gonna go off the script oh, a little bit here I do. Yes. Yeah, and she changes it out, but folks, it said, and we're going there because God forbid we have a little bit of fun. Do UFOs exist? Is that, is that what it says now? Yeah, it says, are, are UFOs real? Discuss. And this actually came from, so, well, Dan, you probably know, and Evan, I'm sure you know as well. I like to, my team and I like to have a good time. We, uh, As today, you should. culture is important. Culture is important <laughs> today, yep. actually, because one of our teammates was in New Zealand on vacation, came back and did, in fact, tour the set of Hobbiton Whoa. from yes. Lord of the Rings. And so we had, there was, there was some scuffles in my team chat today about oh. people were, People are very passionate about if they like Lord of the Rings or if they don't like Lord of the Rings. So anyway, this came out of a another sort of team question where there were some very passionate people about UFOs. There were some very passionate people about UFOs are not like get mm. out of town, which turned into a 30 minute brown bag, bring your own lunch situation where every almost everyone's favorite DJ, sorry, Dan, Michelle Batts. No, it's hey, Michelle Batts. Major props to Michelle Batts. I I would gladly hand over the turntables. Yes. She, to Michelle. she showed up. She messaged me like literally probably 30 minutes before the meeting. Cause I, I was just going to throw it up there. Cause I thought it would be fun. You know, we're all virtual, like let's hang out. And she messaged me and she was like, Hey, Claire, I made a PowerPoint. Do you like mind if I shared in this <laughs> meeting? And I was like, yeah, totally. Sure. That in sounds great. Thank you. You're Michelle Batts way. It, that is exactly, I wouldn't, it, I would not doubt that at all. Dan, it had background music. <laughs> yeah. It had resources. I mean, I don't, had, I don't, 
I, I just want to say that 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 in the in the Albertsons Company's mentorship program, she was my mentee. So yeah, yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, I like I I have not. I it had been a while since I was like cry laughing in a meeting just with how serious she was taking that whole thing. I it it's was a serious a great, thing. It's a serious topic. So yes or no. Yeah. On the spot, uh, yes or no? Well, Michelle convinced me because I was an I was a no, there and you then go. after after that session, I was like, mm, I could I could see well, it. Late Evan, late day on the spot. Yeah, yes there's no? something out there, right? That's hopefully more intelligent than My us man. because we we can't be the uh, <laughs> pinnacle of intelligence. God help us if that's the case. But when and where in time they exist is the question. And I don't know if we have time to get into that. Oh, we don't. Oh, we ca- no. You dropped the, you went, you, you went straight to the fourth degree there on that. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah. like when and where time is a construct, is time linear? <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it? What have I done? I'm watching the subscriber what numbers done? here. They're dropping. What have I done? Like a cliff. Yeah. I know. We can is make. It, I tell you, in our own time, we can have our a different podcast discussing all of these things. I would absolutely volunteer to host hey man, that one. Conspiracy theory abound. <laughs> I would. I would love that. Well, we'll keep it magical then. If you could wave your magic wand and and change one thing about the industry, we ask ask these two next questions of all our guests. If you could change one thing about our industry, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Man. Men, yeah, I get that. I, I <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> thousand percent agree. Oh, yeah, what good. would I do? What would I do? What would I do? I would. Oh, you know what I would do that just drives me bonkers is I would have people stop asking me to share our data if they don't have a clean room. I'm not going to do mm. it. Stop asking me about it. Fix your tech product. Yeah, I like that. Boom. I mean, <laughs> mic drop, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so men. Yep, men. <laughs> yeah. <got> no. it. <laughs> but I, I think it goes back to like us caring about privacy. It's like if you, if you, if you are also not focused on the privacy of our customer, like, no, just. Oh, I love that. I, I think that's the pitch to the retail media networks too. Build, build products and solutions that are solving the problems those marketers want with, with direct access mm-hmm. to the data. A lot of those can be solved with strategically deployed clean rooms where you can make something self-serve behind a firewall client gets what they need mm-hmm. without touching the data. It's, it's a beautiful example of, of modern ways of solving problems. Clean rooms as a standalone are a little difficult to, to imagine being a full scale product, but clean rooms in service of a feature clean rooms in service of a capability that then the client can deploy at will or through managed service. I think that's the right way to go, but it does require some leaning in and some partnership, not only with mm-hmm. the CPG and the retailer, the, the marketer and the retailer, but also with the publisher. And mm-hmm. so kudos to to those publishing platforms out there that have embedded clean rooms into parts of their stack. Pinterest is being one. I know others are following quickly. Mm-hmm. Trade Desk is a mm-hmm. big one. Google's got some some clean room-esque, but not quite as readily available for, for what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. They're all willing to lean in and build things together with that collaborative approach. Yep. And you know, I'll throw a shameless pitch out there for the co-op garden mantra that our leader, Christy Argelaron, has thrown out. That's the right way to think about solving these problems. We're not going to give over the keys to our most sensitive and liable data sets. And, uh, and the brand and, and marketer doesn't want to give the keys to their entire uh, stack of, of strategies and budgets. 
okay, well then how do we show up together in the right places where that media is getting spent to wear the appropriate hat and solve the problems together? And it does take a bit of a humble, let's, yep. let's hold hands, let's roll up the sleeves and solve the problem. But for the CPGs that we've done it with, for the partners that we've done it with, it pays off in spades. Claire, we've Love used it. a lot of multiple syllable words today, big ones. I mean, a lot of a lot of brain power. What are the next industry buzzwords we need to be looking out for? <laughs> oh. Small ones, digestible ones. Uh, the ones that are going to pop up. I mean, I think we talked about cookie lists. Mm. That's yeah, probably going to be. See, yeah, it's, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be big. Yeah. Um, I. I think you're going to hear more retail media networks talking about lifetime value. Mm-hmm. That's coming up. Mm. And I think, uh, what else? Oh, I think you're going to hear people talking about sane identity solutions or something to that effect. Did you say sane, like uh, logical? No, no, just sane identity solutions. And then, spouting information off after. Got it, got it. Yeah, that space, that identity space is going to get really interesting. I'm sure we'll hear pitches around how Mm -hmm. contextual and uh, macro level measurement is -hmm. is the new golden ticket. But again, back to our earlier comments, just lean in. And if you're feeling uncomfortable with those words, lean in and and figure out how your system works. It's it's not as Mm -hmm. difficult as it seems. And then you know, have people walk through how they think, how they stitch things, where do they get their data? Mm-hmm. How, um, how yeah. unique is the data that they're acquiring? And then how much is modeled off of that? If it's 10% mm-hmm. modeled, maybe that's manageable. If it's 50% modeled, you're getting into some pretty big guesses. And uh, you know, I think for us, I, lo- I love the measurement methodology you've built for us, Claire. We don't model off of that ad exposure to skew level sale on most of our channels because we just mm-hmm. have high penetration mm-hmm. of, of loyalty and the frequency of the shopper allows mm-hmm. us to just use confirmed behavior which makes mm-hmm. makes the modeling question pretty simple. Not everyone's got that, yep, totally. that luxury and, and can still offer a good product, but that's where marketers should lean in and have their yeah. own opinion. Yeah, for sure. And credit where credit is due. I mean, I think we are, me and my team, Vin, are definitely the business owners for measurement and audience, but it's really our engineering friends and data science folks who are pulling together all of the genius that is the, the actual backbone. Absolutely. So I just want to make sure that... Yep. They are giving the credit. They do. Absolutely. Well, speaking of genius, Claire, Claire Wyatt, everybody, thank you so much for for joining us here in the garage today. You can feel free to to grab a shop rag, wipe off your hands, pack up your toolkit. We we can be (laughs) more happy to have you today. Thank you so much for lending your insights and and being uh, part of this journey as we build towards RMN Nirvana. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Claire. Well, Evan, we wrapped it. It's another episode of The Garage in the Books for our listeners out there. Thank you so much for for joining us. If you like what you hear, show it. Like it, subscribe it, tell your friends about us, call your mom, let her know that uh, you're hearing all kinds of great stuff and learning a ton on The Garage. Evan, Evan, anything you want to, any parting shots you want to give? No, just a shout out. Thank you for following us. You know, this has been a, a good learning journey for us. Hopefully you're feeling the same thing. And if not, at least feeling entertained with the always humorous Dan and our collection of excellent guests. Hey, thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you on the next episode of The Garage.